and chat with us here at the uh, Multifamily Networking Mastermind. We've been running it for a bit. Our entire goal is to educate a community of people on multifamily, uh, understand how to begin, how to get an idea of how to start, how to begin, how to connect, how to learn uh, where resources are, how to connect with others, and maybe look at some opportunities to connect with others at either be syndicating, being an LP, being a GP, you know, bringing whatever skills they have uh, to offer. So uh, we welcome everyone this morning so far here at the uh, Multifamily Networking Mastermind. My name is Alex Sanders. I'm located in Texas. I'm a licensed agent in Texas. I've been for 17 years, done all types of transactions left and right, whether it be fix and flip, regular retail sales, land deals, multifamily deals. Uh, and I focus a lot on creative financing and subject to deals, which is a great way to build portfolio. Uh, in fact, I encourage many uh, to do that because that's the way I buy multifamily or invest in multifamily. I use my transactions in single family and I put it into a specific fund. I use those funds then to, and to get into deals, which helps me uh, then generate more deals along the way. Um, and this morning, of course, I want to thank uh, Marcel for joining us and uh, and his team. I don't know if any of your other team members are going to join us, but we welcome them as well. We've got uh, Trevor Walker, the QB1. That's right. That's right. I, I am here. Alex, should I turn my uh, video camera on, man, or should I just be kind of incognito here and just be a voice? I, I think <laughs> you should turn your camera on. You should show us uh, uh, your coffee mug. I think we should see your background. The whole shebang. <laughs> totally, man. Totally. Well, I, I'm actually stepping outside. I, I'm here in Austin, Texas. I'm based out of Colorado, but I'm here at a work conference. You know, I'm still a W-2 guy, but hey, we, we make it work. That's what Marcel and I say. We make it work with the W-2 and multifamily investing. So, Hey, that's excellent. Well, you're just here. up the road from me. If you're up in Austin, you're just an hour north of me, and uh, I'm in San Antonio. So, there we go. Countdown Austin, City. Let's go. Austin's a great place, man. Austin is a great place. Make sure you check out all the foodie places. A lot of foodie places in Austin, Texas. A lot of crazy people. The The theme for tech uh, Austin is Keep Austin weird. That's their oh, logo. Yeah. That's their theme. And uh, it doesn't take long for you to figure out there's a lot of weird people in Austin, Texas. <laughs> that's that, that, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Now everything <laughs> makes sense, Trevor. Everything <laughs> makes sense now. I was one of those. Man, yeah, uh, Alex, I spent 15 years in Austin. So I, I guess, <laughs> okay. according to Marcel, I was one of those guys that was helped keep Austin <laughs> weird. I was a contributor to that. I don't know. I wasn't aware of that, but I guess, you know. His perspective yeah. is better than mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's from the outsider looking in. He can see that now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm biased because I'm on the inside. Yeah, exactly. The interesting thing about Austin, though, the, the pricing on single family and multifamily just went skyrocketed. I mean, it just it, it became that Silicon Valley for Texas, right? So we had the West coming in. We have the East coming in. We had the North coming in. Uh, post-COVID and, and just in the refluctuation of everything. So it, it just really jacked up the prices. So it almost became impossible to buy anything around the Austin area. Agreed. 1,000%. You know, before I got into multifamily, I had a couple of rentals here in the area that I purchased before that big single-family housing boom actually took place. Of course, that was, that was a great move on, on my part. You know, I, I didn't have the 
uh, the foresight so much to anticipate what the market would do. But uh, nevertheless, because uh, of my experience in Austin, you know, now that I'm in Colorado, always kind of had my thumb on it a little bit. But with our revised strategy in the multifamily space moving into 2023, we were like, hey, we've got to take a step back from Austin. The market's just too crazy. And far as what we're trying to accomplish with the with our Freedom Chasers team, it just the market doesn't make sense for us right now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited to have you guys on our call today. And um, Marcel, like to just ask you to introduce yourself and then Trevor, maybe introduce a little bit what you guys are doing. And then we can go from there. Let's freaking go. Man, you know what? I saw somebody comment earlier somewhere that said, let's freaking go in the Trevor voice. I feel like I feel like Trevor, your your let's go, let's freaking go is becoming popular here. And it's kind of been in my mind here all day. So so let's freaking go here. Alex, thanks for having <laughs> us. Thanks for everyone joining in here. I feel like we have a bunch of people probably on their lunch break. And you know what? So am I. Or, you know, we, we make it our lunch break. So is Trevor, I know. Um, so that's that's what we do, right? We make it work. Multi-family freedom chasers. Um, in the end, a bunch, a bunch of W2 people, right? A bunch of people that still work in their full-time job um, and try to make it work in the multifamily space. You know, I mean, our team, we all have spouses. We got all two small children. It's not easy, you know, but it's totally doable. Look, it's totally doable. Um, when we started this journey about six months ago, when we pivoted, right, from the single family space, we were looking for a community, you know, that would... Uh, that we would resemble with, you know, where we like, I want to see some corporate employees or people that, you know, were in corporate, whatever, and somehow made it work because that's what we're looking for, you know. And man, we couldn't find it. We could not find it, right? And uh, and, and Trevor, um, Victor, I don't see Victor here today because I know that he's uh, juggling the W-2 and his wife is actually in India. So he's uh, <laughs> juggling also both kids at the same time, man. Kudos yeah. to him, but... We were like, man, we can't find it. But you know what? Uh, our mentor, um, Carlos, he was telling us, guys, stop think thinking so small. You know, stop thinking so freaking small. That's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Freaking build it yourself. You know, don't be lazy. You know, do it yourself. So we're like, dang it, man. Yeah. He's right. He's right. <laughs> so so that's what we did. You know, we started. We started Zoom calls on Sundays, you know, and, and within the mentorship, we started with like 17 people, you know, we said, hey, let's all just huddle together and try to do this together. Because let's be honest, 98% of the people out there are regular W2 people, are regular in the corporate world or whatever profession, right? That's that's the normal, your average Joe. I'm Marcel, the average Joe, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's and, right. And, and man, it's 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 consistent action, right? I don't even like to call it massive action because for us, what what means massive action, right? For somebody like us, massive action means I can consistently put in two to four hours a day, you know, and still fulfill and perform on my regular responsibilities at the job, within the family, to my wife, to my kids. That's massive action. Somebody else that's an, a full time entrepreneur, he looks at me, he laughs at me, you know. He says, "Well, to me, that sounds lazy." You know, so what does that mean? That's why we call it consistent action. And that's what we want to live. You know, we want to live by example. We want to showcase that to the people out there um, that are in the same shoes as we are, that you can do it. We can make it work. It took us 12 weeks to close our first 40 unit deal. 
um, and and we're ready to rock and roll, you know, now for 2023 and, and, and step it up one level. And I tell you, you need people around you, you know, that inspire you, that push you, that hold you accountable, you know. And I can tell you, Trevor Walker right here is, is one of those for me, right? If it wasn't for him, if we wouldn't have randomly jumped on the call about six months ago and awkwardly felt like we were we are really connected, <laughs> this wouldn't have happened, you know. But uh, yeah, that that that's a little intro on my end. Yeah, I don't know, if Trevor, you probably want to add something here. Of course, brother. Of course. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Uh, Trevor Walker here, and Alex. Appreciate you uh, having us on today, and we're super stoked about it. Uh, just to have an opportunity to engage with you and your audience. Um, I'm out of Fort Collins, Colorado. I'm an engineer by trade, um, but have a passion for for real estate and, and specifically multifamily real estate. Just as I don't know of a greater vehicle out there to create generational wealth and get the freedom that I want in my life. And I'm sure, and I know so many people also want in their life as well. Uh, <clears throat> just to add a little bit to what Marcel said, you know, when we made this decision to go into the multifamily space, we all started as just individuals on our own journey. But I'm so thankful that Marcel came into my life. And um, this dude, <laughs> he got in my head, Alex. He got in my head. And, and, and here's how he did it. We, uh, we joined up as accountability partners. And um, you know we were going to hold each other accountable to take consistent action. Not so much massive action, but consistent action on a daily basis. And you know, whenever I would think about, oh man, do I want to do this? Do I need to do this? This guy, Marcel Barvanitz, would pop up in my head <laughs> like, oh, I have to do it because I have to be accountable to Marcel. So that was a, a critical component just to get the ball rolling. But of course, you know, we we just vibed so much and so had to join forces. And then, of course, Victor into the G, our ninja underwriter, he jumped in as well. And it's just been Fired in all cylinders since then with the core team and then a little bit of, of what Marcel was saying, building the Freedom Chasers community where we can just we hope to serve just as a little bit of inspiration, just provide a platform uh, for people that are in the thick of life, just like us to start stacking some wins in the multifamily space. Yeah, man, that's exciting because at the end of the day, multifamily is a team sport, right? There's no way that anybody can take down multifamily on your own. Even if it's a single sole proprietor, he still needs a contractor. He needs a surveyor. He needs an inspector. He needs a property manager guy, right? There's no such thing as doing it on your own. Now, in single family, you can be that individual person, right? But then you're going to run yourself to the ground because you're a property yes. manager, you're a gardener, yes. you're you know, a collector, you're a victor, you're everything, right? And and at some point, I think when somebody's moving from the W two job to a entrepreneur, uh, multifamily understanding, they've got to realize that it is not a a sole contributor role. And when we're W-2 people, we're taught to be sole contributors. You come in, you go to your nine to five or, or your eight to six, you put in your hours, you, you go to the team meetings, nothing gets done. 
you, you walk away. You hope things are going to go good. You don't get your manager upset at you because if you do, you're going to get retaliation. Uh, you try to find a lateral move and nobody else is there because uh, the owner's cousin got the job. And I mean, you try to go up and you can't go up because now they require you have some certain degree or some certain, you know, and so it just keeps going on. And we have that contributor mentality in the workplace. My background is corporate consulting, right? I'm a, I'm a corporate psychologist by profession. And so I oh, work wow. with corporations. And, and I know that entire rat race. I've been in it. I, I help organizations today. Uh, I travel overseas a ton to do corporate consulting. And in that process, I realized how dissatisfied uh, people are with their own lives, with their own jobs, with their own positions. Uh, they work in great companies and not always with great people. And, and so they're all trying to figure out how can I make my life better? And mm -hmm. real estate is a way for actual freedom when people fully get it and understand. So I'm excited that you guys are working together as a team because that's really what makes the gold become gold, right? Working together. So let's backtrack. So you guys got into it, trying to figure out, you guys got a, a team together. What's your process of going from zero to 40 units? What happened? I mean, it's it, it's really just action, right? It's, it's all no rocket science, Alex. It's really not. Everyone can do it. But you're going to get to a point where you don't want to, where you actually, you know, feel like, man, this is hard. And there is, there, there are things that are hard, you know, and as an individual, it's easy to call it quits. You know, you run into problems, you question yourself, you doubt yourself, you know, you're like, man, do I really want to do this? You know, this is harder than I thought it would be. And if you have the right people around you, you know, and by that, I mean, being intentional about the people around you. You know, I'm not just saying rolling the dice, let's get some people around. They say they can do this. That's not what I mean. Man, our team's got core values that we're super locked in on. I mean, we review those. When we talk about bringing somebody on for something, we review our core values first. And if, if, if there's something where we don't feel like it's, it's a match or there is a conflict on one of the core values, Man, we're not going to do it, you know, and and that has been tremendous. We have a vision. We have a mission, how we complete that vision. You know, there's everything is about intentional, inten intentionality, so to speak. You know, it's not just random. And if you can take consistent, intentional action towards something, you're going to get there. You're going to get there. Seriously. It's And I tell you what, I just talked to, I just told Trevor last night. I speak to the guy every day, right? I, I, I was last night, I was at, at an event where, matter of fact, I, I uh, secured one of our uh, upcoming speakers again, somebody with, uh, I don't even know how many million dollars of net worth again, 40,000 followers on Instagram, like a friend of Brandon Turner, you know, like this, but this only happens by taking intentional action, right? And I told him, I said, man, you know what? When I go to networking events again, uh, right now, and they ask, you know, oh, what do you do? Like, how many doors do you have? And I saw oh, we just closed 40 units. Like people, they like, wow, what, 40? And, and I'm like, yeah, like, but we're already thinking bigger. You know, we're already thinking so much bigger. Like we have, a, we have an internal goal of a thousand units this year, you know. Now, if we make 500, you know, hey, you know what? I'll sign it right now. But our 
action plan goes towards a thousand, right? And uh, and the, these these people, you know, that are not exposed to that thinking bigger, they go crazy about that. And you know, then I was thinking, you know what? Six months ago, you know, I was hustling like one single family home at a time. If you would have told me back then, Marcel, in your real estate career, would you be okay owning forty homes? Man, I would have signed on it like in a heartbeat, right? And now that the mindset is just shifted, like completely shifted, you know? And 40 units to me doesn't sound like a lot anymore. It sounds like small. Like when we look at deals now, we don't look at anything less than 40. We say, there's no way we do anything less than that. It sounds small. Where other people say like, man, that's that's a lot. So yeah. it's just, and it's, it's no rocket science, right? That's what I'm trying to say there. It's not going to have to take you five years, 10 years, 20 years to get there. You can get there in 12 weeks. Even though, even, even if you have a job, even if you have a spouse, even if you have kids, you can get there. It just takes consistent action. So that's how we got there. <laughs> exactly. And, and just let me sprinkle just a little bit more uh, pixie dust on what Marcel was saying there, Alex. Yeah, I mean, as far as the mechanics of, of how the deal went down, I mean, it, it, anybody can learn that. There's the, the, there's a wealth of knowledge in there. But as as you know, as I know, as Marcel knows, <clears throat> it's it's a lot of it is just the mindset. It's a mindset. And like what Marcel was saying, if if you had asked us six months ago, you know, if you could acquire 40 doors, you know, 40 single family homes, essentially in your lifetime, would you be happy with that? And we would have said, absolutely. But then here we go. We got 40 units closed right before Thanksgiving. It's like, that's a small deal now to us. Just a mindset uh, shift change. And I, and I want to say, I have to give a lot of kudos to Marcel and, and hopefully this helps some of the audience he helped me a lot with my mindset as it relates to my W-2 job. So there's probably a large percentage of people tuning in today that have the W-2 job. And this was the mindset shift that Marcel helped me with. Previously, I thought my W-2 experience and, and my schedule related to my W-2 was a disadvantage. So I would be reluctant to share that with brokers lenders, property management companies, you know, other real estate professionals involved in a multifamily transaction. What Marcel helped me out so much is, hey, you're thinking about this all wrong. You need to be looking at it from the perspective of actually your W-2 is your strength and your credibility that you bring to the table. Yeah, it's in another space, but nevertheless, so many of those characteristics and principles translate so well to the multifamily space and bring credibility when you interact with these people. So don't shy away from what you've been able to accomplish in the corporate world and the skills that you've been able to develop. That was another mindset uh, shift change that Marcel really helped me out with when we had first started our journey together as, as, as brothers in the multifamily space. Oh, okay. Let's yeah, absolutely. go. Absolutely. So obviously, right. You know, everything we have, is a part and parcel of what we are becoming, right? Everything is a, a resource, a tool. And having a W-2 job only enables you to sometimes be able to have that credibility with some brokers and with some people that are trying to bring properties to you. So walk us through your process. How did you find deals? How are you looking for deals? How do you do the underwriting? How do you get them? under contract. What's your process so far? If somebody's listening and say, hey, help me understand step one, step two, step three, step four, right? 
Yeah, it's it's actually fairly simple again, right? I mean, we we also in the community, what we did is we we started a sequence right a few months ago now. How to get started in multifamily real estate, and and really we just translated as to what we did. How could you do it better, you know? And and how how can you implement that to just get started? But backing it up a little bit, first of all, I like to look at the transaction or of a multifamily life cycle in three different sections, right? There's three sections. The first section is, this is where most of the people spend their time right now, is like running around, like looking on websites, calling brokers, looking on their websites, looking for a deal, you know, underwriting stuff. So so that's really section one, you know? And that's where you do spend most of your time in the beginning because you got to source deals, right? You got to look at deals. Um, then you have section two. Oh man, I found a deal. I submitted an LOI. They got accepted. What now? Now I have to do something I haven't done the whole time before. I spent months on something else. Now it's completely, the whole thing is new, you know? Yep. So now you have to negotiate your, your contract, right? The PSA. So you have an attorney for that, right? You, you hire an attorney that your attorney is a transaction coordinator and everything. He's like your ally. So you, you, you negotiate that PSA, you get that PSA signed. Okay. That can take, hey, that can take 30 days. That can take 60 days. It depends. Um, now, now you get that sign. Now you get into another, like another step, which is still in the same sequence to me or same section, which is actually freaking closing on the deal, you know? So now you have like 30, 45, 60 days, maybe 90, depending on how you negotiate it, right? Ideally, you got at least 60 days, at least 60 days. In a, in a, in a best case, in a better case scenario, you got 90 days. Um, you do your due diligence, right? You have to, and, and your attorney should do a lot of this stuff for you, right? That's where you hire the professionals. It's not you one-man show anymore, like in the single-family space, you know, you hire the professional to do it, your project manager. So now you need to, um, you get all the you get all the documents, you know, uh, all the, the numbers from, from the seller, like, I mean, all the leases, you got to do an audit. You got to audit the rent roll with the leases that are existing. You have your attorney um, um, contract, uh, um, how you call it, due diligence companies, national due diligence providers for survey reports, zoning reports, um, what's it called, um, environmental reports, your commercial inspections, you know, all that needs to be needs to be ordered, needs to be executed, needs to be reviewed, approved by the attorney um, and to, to get you out of that due diligence phase and maybe even have to retrade, right? Retrade, meaning you have to renegotiate again because something came up that wasn't previously disclosed right and now let's say 45 60 days whatever your due diligence periods finishes your earnest money goes hard and now you get into closing the deal right now you get into make sure all the money is available are you syndicating the deal or not you know depends where the equity is coming from so now you're closing the deal right you're like oh my god i just spent freaking two three months on this thing it's finally closed. You think you're done. Your single family experience, you think you're done. You know, you get that check now. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> you're so yeah. wrong. Now it starts, right? Now it actually starts because you develop the business plan, obviously, as part of your underwriting. Now you got to execute the business plan. Now you're there with your identified property management company and you make sure you manage them that they execute the business plan so that you can um receive the returns or you can execute on the returns for your investors or for yourself right depending on how you stack the equity and depending on your plan right that can be a five-year exit plan heck it can be a 10-year exit plan right and now you got to automize all that stuff so 
really, that's like the whole like life cycle. And man, I compressed it hard right now. You can talk an hour about that alone. But how, how did it work for us? Right? I'm gonna roll back a little bit. How did it work for us? So, first of all, how does the deal come to you? Obviously, you got to build relationships with the brokers. Heck, start with Craxy and LoopNet. You know, look what's out there. Call the brokers that have some listings there. Likely the deals are not going to be that great, but you make the relationship with the broker, right? They have other listings that are listed on their website or that are upcoming, right? The one that that we en ended up uh, putting under contract was actually listed on Craxy, I believe, but it was listed um, with, uh, I would say, smaller-ish brokerage in the area. Um, and uh, it was listed with a, with a broker that usually focuses on more like the commercial industrial um, deals. Um, so, hey, man, I built a relationship with him, you know, looked at all the numbers, mom and pop kind of a deal, 20 years owned, um, owner operated, you know, that there was no real accounting there, you know, the rent roll was like on a yellow page and stuff like that. By the way, you hear my daughter in the background now. That's real authenticity, right? Right there. <laughs> um, and, and you just make it work. I told him, look, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get financing on this. We can't do it. It's just going to be a pain in the butt. You know, it's going to be hard. I don't know if you want to go through that. I don't know if the seller wants to go through that. Let's just sell a finance it, you know, five years. We're going to stabilize it. Uh, we get you a little bit more of what, what the bank would probably approve us for, like 100K or something like that, right? Uh, because there was significant upside on it. And the seller, look, these multifamily sellers, they're no idiots, right? In the single family space, you talk to somebody that has a distressed home and nine out of 10 times, there's a reason why they have a distressed home, you know? And when you look on the multifamily side, if you're able to operate a 40 unit deal or 40 unit complex for 20 years, chances are you're, you're somehow, somehow there. Let's put it this way, right? And there, there are reasons why people don't, don't, um, um, create efficiencies because they say, hey, this is making me a lot of money. I don't want to spend more time on it. I don't care. Fair enough, right? Um, so so we talked him through all that. What makes sense for us? What makes sense for him? Where does he want to be? Where do we want to be? And we just built a relationship with the broker and the seller and uh, came to terms, you know, and then just uh, executed on what I was just telling you in a nutshell. And now we are in the stabilization or transition process, I would say, in in getting everything um together so the management company can move consistently right and not just reach out every single time about something we have to renew leases all this kind of stuff um so lo lots of work right lots of one-offs lots of lessons learned as well but again right in imperfect action forward we create lots of efficiencies uh, from it um and now we're building our network around that we know that we don't want to get a deal and then build our systems around it. Trevor and I, we actually spend a lot of time right now in January in really focusing on our focus, like locking in on our focus markets. It's only three small markets and build our systems around it. And Trevor is an absolute killer relationship builder. I mean, this guy, like he, he does that also on his W2, right? I mean, he has his own like relationship CRM, right? Like where he like, like I get emails, you know, I get emails that says, all of a sudden, here, follow up with XYZ to check in on that one. You know, and I'm like, yeah, man, that's what we said three weeks ago. And here it is in my inbox. Like, this guy knows how to build relationships, you know, but also nurture relationships, you know. So maybe, Trevor, why, why don't you touch on that real quick? <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. First of all, I, I got to give a shout out. We got Victor into the G that, that's now jumping to the audience. So uh, nice. We, we, we can't 
not recognize our ninja underwriter and and he's just an absolutely fantastic person. And and I want to say this really quickly, just as I'm uh, pointing out, Victor, you know, one of the things that we say, Alex, is the team is our strength as individuals in isolation. At least myself, I consider myself pretty pathetic, especially when it comes to trying to to stack wins in the multifamily space. However, the team that that for in, in, in I would say an organic way, how we came together, um, we complement each other so well. We're so thankful to have met each other in our lives intersected, and um, it's so easy to champion these two guys, to champion Marcel, to champion Victor for who they are and how they operate on a daily basis that's so consistent. So I had to put that out there. You can see Marcel, he's talking me up, man. I don't think that I'm that big of a deal, but I will say this. (laughs) Our team is greater than the sum of its parts, 100%. And uh, we do enjoy championing each other. You know, my wife, she kind of like makes fun of me a little bit because she'll like hear me and Marcel talking on the phone and stuff. She's like, y'all are doing that bromance thing again. I'm like, dear, we're just appreciating one another for who we are and what we can do. (laughs) But it's awesome, man. It's awesome. The beauty of the team is when we're able to recognize each other's skills, appreciate those skills and let each other know, Hey, this is your skill. You know, when we build a team, appreciation goes a long way. Recognition goes a long way. It builds camaraderie. It builds trust. It builds credibility, right? And not many teams know how to do that because they'll get jealous of one another or don't know, uh, or they think that they've got to be better than the other person, right? And to me, it's the opposite. It's I've got to find better people than me and surround myself around them. And if I make them better, then I've got nothing to lose because my entire goal was to make them better to begin with, right? And so really that's the focus of a team. And, And so I really appreciate you guys, the camaraderie that you both have developed and it's obvious because it's only going to make the process a lot easier, right? John Maxwell says, learn how to develop people around you. Develop yourself, but then develop the people around you because now you have a real team, you know? And so that's really exciting. I love hearing the way your camaraderie, your friendship is developed because that's the long-term effect of your success is going to be your team. And hardly do you ever find a team that stays together for the long haul. Those that do are successful. Those that don't, it's just, it's like a company. Turnover is expensive. Credibility costs a lot and trust costs even more. Real quick, a real simple teaching. If trust is high, then business is fast. If trust is slow, then business will be slow. End of story. So when we build relationships like Trevor, like like you are, sounds like you're an ace at it, right? When you build a relationship with somebody and they trust you, then decisions take place very fast. And if they don't trust you, then decisions will take place very, very slow. So in every conversation with a broker, with an agent, with a seller, with a possible a prospect, if we build trust and work on building trust, it'll only help us create a better team. So it's very exciting. 100%. Excellent. 100%. I, I don't know if Victor, he, he may be booked up with the kids or, you know, trying to meet a deadline for his job, but I, I definitely would. I think it's okay if we can just maybe open it up. If he has anything to add to this point. Yeah. Of course, we'd love, to. we'd love to hear from him, um, but he, he may Victor, be swamped right now. Okay. He may. Yeah, there he is. Hey guys. Hey guys. Yeah. I mean, 
Um, and just just think about it. it's not also just trying to up and bring up your own team. It's we're we're trying to build a community here as well where um it's not just us. We wanna want we want everyone to be at this level um that we are at because um the the bigger the further that the community can the, can go, the further that we can go. So that's just something else that I wanted to add. Look at Victor just dropping some gems right there in like 30 seconds. <laughs> that's, that's so I true, love that. Victor. Appreciate that. <laughs> Definitely. I want to add something really quick, Alex, that maybe benefit to people. You know, when Marcel talked about those three phases, phase one being deal seeking mode, and just something that we found out helpful on the efficiency side, on kind of the mechanics of, of what that looked like, you know, when we first started our team, we were all looking for deals, doing pretty much the same thing based off the areas where we lived or the areas where we, we had previously lived, just the markets that we were familiar with. And we found out pretty quickly that was extremely inefficient, extremely inefficient. So we pivoted not too long after that. And, and hopefully this helps somebody out there is here's what we decided to do. We, we shifted gears a little bit where Marcel and I, since we're kind of more the front office guys um, interfacing with brokers a lot, right? What we, what we decided to do was, hey, let's source the deals from brokers. We'll mainly concentrate on doing that. Let's put Victor, let's, let's take that off of his plate. Let's put him in the back because he's, because he's way smarter than me and Marcel. Um, and, and when Marcel and I, when we interact with these brokers, we take a preliminary quick look at deals. And if it checks a couple of boxes, we send it back to Victor because he's way smarter than us to take the dip, deep dive into the market research, into the numbers, the deeper underwriting. And then he gets back with us with his feedback on what he thinks about the deal, which he shoots down like 95% of them, <laughs> which, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what you want in, an, in a ninja underwriter. Um, but then he gives us feedback like, hey, guys, I need X, Y, and Z information and we go out and get it, or he gives us feedback to relate to the broker or whoever. And so that little adjustment that we made in our strategy for deal sourcing was super helpful in streamlining everything. So if somebody's working in the context of a team, I would say, hey, have your designated person that can do the deep dive and then have the people that can do the preliminary check so that you know, it, n nobody is wasting time just taking deep dives and deals that aren't deals. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Yeah, at the end of the day, we got to not get underwrite and say, hey, is, is this follow the checklist to move forward? If it's not, is it in my market? Is it in the area that I want? And I, and I always look at it. If, if I'm looking for something, is it in the path of progress, right? Is, is there something developing around the area or has it already been developed? Is it by Walmart or is it not by Walmart? Is it by university? Is it not by university? Can we Airbnb if you have 8% vacancy rates? Could that possibly 8% be determined as 0% with possible Airbnb because of where it's located, right? So you find the possibility before you go into that deal. If it's if it meeting your criteria, I think it's actually meeting here the area that you want to focus on. And I think I think sometimes people are putting a bad family. They're so excited to get across the country. country. And I'm like, and I'm like, that was not what we want to do. We want to focus on the market market because X, 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 X,
kind of went on and tried to figure it out right now. So, so anyway, anyway, we have a question from, um, um, did everyone still hear me? Your audio is a little shaky right now. <laughs> is, it, is it cracking up? Let's see. Is there a lot of echo on my voice? Testing. Yeah. All right. So All right, let, let me let me try to switch over. All right. Is that any better at all? Testing one, two. Test, 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 test. Is that better? No. All right. Let me. I can't understand what you're saying, but it's it's not ideal. <laughs> How about uh, will that work any better? Yes, sir. Testing better. Yeah. Okay. All right. We can we can hear you better. Oh, all right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, we have a question from Beatrice was saying, did all three of you get on the loan or talking about the multifamily that you closed on? Did all three of you get on the loan? Was it a capital raise? Did the lender require some escrow? Obviously, you mm -hmm. talked about seller finance, but uh, maybe you can explain that to them. Yeah, it's I mean, that's very simple, honestly, since since it was a seller finance deal, obviously, the seller is our bank is the lender. Right. And which makes a seller finance deal a lot easier especially when it's your first bigger deal because he's not going to throw all these big stipulations on you right um, and makes you jump through through all these loops or hoops or however you call it if you want to look at it from a single family perspective i, I don't know if anybody ever in here has um, closed on a seller finance or subject to deal yet if you did and you compare that paperwork versus a regular hard money loan um, closing, you usually notice that the, the stack of papers that you're signing is significantly different, right? Like on your hard money lender, they make you sign like freaking like they waste, they waste paper. <laughs> um, and on your sale of finance deal, you know, it's usually less because quite frankly, the only thing you really sign is a deed of trust, you know, and maybe a promissory note. Um, not maybe you should <laughs> uh, sign a promissory note, and there isn't much more to it actually, unless you know the seller or the lender. Your you know your seller requires you to do more than that, so that made it a lot easier. Like all the reports that we were running, like the zoning survey, I mean the environmental inspection, whatever, that was all um, voluntarily. You know, we didn't have to do that. Now, if you get financing, if you even get like or agency financing, whatever, you you're gonna ha you're required to do that. There has to be some boxes that need to be checked. Your lender actually makes you get these reports. Um, so that was a lot easier when it came to the um, the guaranteeing the loan, right? Is is what you're asking? Um, so the the seller did ask um, for like some you know backings. He says like, "Hey, I want you to personally guarantee the loan and everything." You know, we're like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." And, and then I looked at you know the the, the deed of trust and how everything was laid out really. And really, we did personally guarantee it after the asset, meaning you know like meaning technically it was secured by the asset and everything that would be after would be personally guaranteed. So. I mean, there's there's no way, you know, when, if we were to default or do whatever, the asset at that point will be worth significantly more than, <laughs> than what we have paid for. So not a big deal, but he did look for certain background, financial background, right? So we had to uh, submit a, um, what is it called? Financial statement, personal financial statement, PF. A, I guess is the right word, personal, financial, whatever, right? I'm foreign, man. I'm always messing up these abbreviations and stuff. So, <laughs> um, and I, I submitted some. I know the team submitted some. Um, Carlos Salguero, who's on the deal too, right, with us together. 
our mentor. Um, he submitted one. And then the seller called me. He says, hey, look, man, you know, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure, you know, that worst case, you know, you could cover a loan or whatever the case may like the loan amount or whatever the case may be. And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're good to go. He said, you know what? You could have just sent me a paste up from VW. <laughs> so that, that, that's a little bit of background to it. That's awesome. So how much of that was um, seller finance? Was your down payment seller financed or was the structure of the loan seller financed? The whole thing the entire, is seller financed. The entire thing was seller financed. The whole thing, yeah. We only so we have a two point nine purchase price, and we uh, negotiated seventeen percent down. Sounds a bit strange, right? Why seventeen? Because the seller said, "Hey, I just want half a million. I want half a million down." That translated to seventeen percent down. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And in his taxes, that's probably why he was asking that amount. Because obviously, the more he gets, the more he's got to pay taxes on. And that and was. Yeah, that, that was one thing. But the other thing was also he did have some rate caps coming up that he wanted to cover, you know. So you, you know what's coming up, right, this year like with all, you know, rate caps and everything. So so he was kind of also in a position where he needed some money and needed to make some money right. fast to be able to cover that. Awesome. Awesome. Excellent. We have Andrea Garcia has got a question for us. So let's ask her to unmute. I love Andrea. Hey, She's Andrea. Awesome. Hey guys, how are you? Um, I figured I'd have a, question. I have a question for um, Victor, but maybe you guys can all answer this. You know, typically with my um, underwriting experience, and that's why I joined Sub2 in the creative community was to be able to underwrite these deals creatively. But most of the pro forma templates out there um, are just standard financing. Is Did you guys develop your own creative financing calculator or embed you know add in some kind of like seller finance um instruments into your underwriting you just have to tweak it right i mean every there is no perfect i would say and i, I can answer this for victor and he can he can ask he can add to it though but i mean there is no perfect um analyzer out there i think you know like because the analyzer got a match to what you're looking for and what how you like to to underwrite the deal right um so you just have to tweak it a little bit and usually you can plug and play I, that that's on the seller finance and at least for what we did you can plug and play and treat it almost like a lender you just you're just able to take out a bunch of crap um so it, it wasn't really i would say a barrier okay awesome and i also want to chime in here seller financing is only um an option only in certain types of properties right if you go yeah. into larger properties, 100, 200 unit properties, there you're not going to be able to sell and finance those. One, there's probably already an existing loan that you wouldn't need to, to pay off. And if they won't, and it depends on your lender that you're getting to see if they can even allow a second position to have um to have partial seller financing. So seller financing it um it, it really depends on the size of the deal and whether if it's you know, if it's mostly already owned, almost free and free and clear, or almost owned free and clear by the by the um, the existing owner. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Um, depends on what your buy box is. If your buy box is smaller units, you may be the chances of seller financing is probably a lot higher than if you're looking at um, larger properties. Yeah, I agree with you. It's definitely 
the size of the deal and also the market. Cause like we're looking at deals in Ohio and the 156 unit is owned free and clear. So we're considering seller financing and I'm trying to figure out the strategy for that one in terms of the underwrite. I also want to ask you guys about the team. You know, I, I realize you guys have so much trust and your ecosystem and how you're working with every, every one of each other. How did you guys um, decide, well, how long did it take for you guys to ultimately form an LLC together? Mm. So that's actually interesting you say that. Uh, number one, where's that deal in Ohio? That is in uh, Columbus. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting because that's one of our three focus markets. So if you <laughs> we'll connect. You, yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I was just there two weeks ago building all the, the connections uh, in, in, in the market, like boots on the ground and everything. But regardless, Trevor, do you want to do you want to touch on that or do you want me to touch on that? Far away, my brother. <laughs> so really, I wouldn't get hung up on this whole LC thing, right? Because at this moment in time, we don't have a Freedom Chasers LLC and there's no need for it right now. Now, this year we will create that because we're going to create um, our own um, investor portal and everything. You know, we're going to create like a Freedom Chasers Capital, you know, uh, where we might even put a fund in place or something like that. So, so we'll get there. But to make, to do your first deal or to do a deal, you really don't need like a team LLC. You need a asset LLC, right? You need you need an organization around the asset. Okay, what what do I mean by that? You have an organizational structure in place for that deal. You already have all the LLCs. You have an LLC that owns the asset. You have an LLC for you, the partners. You have an LLC for the investors, and you have an LLC for whoever manages the asset because that will be the that that's the LLC that gets the management fee, for example. So you have you have already so many LLCs in place just to run a deal um, professionally that when it comes to the team itself, I wouldn't get hung up on that until you need to get there because let, let's be, let's be honest, you know, I, let, I mean, after like a month or two, I didn't know, is this going to work out? Like Trevor, you know, Victor, I mean, we, we even had, we had another member, right? Charles Bingham, amazing, amazing guy, the, the doc, another guy on our team who now is pursuing a like something in a different direction, you know, who's going to be an amazing clinic owner on the 10X uh, level, you know. And had we started drafting LLA, LLC partnerships already, like a couple months in while we were reviewing deals or we're just doing our first deal, now we would have to recreate everything again. So I think it's really important that you strengthen the partnerships you have and really come to a place where you're almost like, man, I think it's time that we need that drafted up, but I wouldn't like run into this like too quickly because if you go deal by deal, you know, you're going to have to do it for the deal anyways. And once you create volume momentum and, and where like swim lanes are clear, what are you doing? What am I doing? Like, are you doing your job? Good. Can you do it on your own? You know, or do I have to kind of help you along all the time? Like, because you want a partner, right? You don't want an employee. Another big thing. Um, until that moment, I wouldn't get too hung up on it. Thank you, guys. You got it. Thanks, Andrea. Awesome. Getting built in Columbus, man. I love that. I know you're in California, aren't you, Andrea? Yeah, I'm in California, but we were able to find boots on the ground in Columbus, but we definitely need to go visit the market. So I think you definitely went a step ahead by 
establishing those relationships and everything. Um, And then that's the key point about it. It's the relationships, but we were able to find this seller finance deal and they bought it for like a million back when, and they own it free and clear. It's amazing. 156 units for a million. Oh, wow. 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 For decades of it, right? So. Yeah, I think I'm going to connect with you on this deal. So I'll touch base with you offline. Let's go. (laughs) That's exciting. Awesome. All right. See, let's see here. Uh, Do we have anybody else asking questions? Anybody else want to like to ask a question to the team? Yeah, am I able to ask a question? Sure can, Richard. Yeah, so my question is, because I do work for a W-2, but I'm I'm a 12-hour W-2. Um, I work in a hospital, and I love helping the patients, but like I said, the healthcare world can kind of get kind of sucky every now and then. So I was trying to wonder, like, what chances do you take as far as, you know, getting those uh, big checks from hospitals and trans, um, transferring over to multifamily? That's a Trevor question. Come on. <laughs> so this is Richard, right? It's Richard. Yeah, that was yes. Richard. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So so you're pulling in 12 hour shifts. That's what you said. Are you Monday through Friday with that or? Uh, no, uh... it, it differs. Uh, so one week on Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Next week, I only work Thursday. So it varies. But the days that I'm off, I'm trying to recover. So it's yeah. kind of it's, it's hard. Okay. Of course, man. Of course. As far as getting into multifamily, are you wanting to be more of a passive investor or an, an active operator? Um, so I'm currently in it. And um, I currently have three deals that are in the process of getting underwritten. Um, the thing is, like I said, with the follow-ups and trying to get financials and look over everything myself to send over to the team, it takes some time because, like I said, I'm recovering from trying to sleep after those 12 hour shifts. Um, mm-hmm. But I have understood like the options where, you know, either I can get paid out in some or I can become part of the deal. And so I'm hoping to uh, do both simultaneously. Of course, man, of course. So I, I would say a couple of things, Richard. Um, first of all, thanks for your service in, in the healthcare industry, man. Um, we appreciate professionals just like yourself. I would say a couple of advantages, major advantages that you have is being in the healthcare industry. Um, you, you, there's some high income earners in there. You're, you're probably one that yourself, right? And so <clears throat> I would say that's a very low barrier to entry to continue getting a seat at the table for multifamily deals as you can tap into some of that capital and present opportunities on deals to some of your other healthcare professionals that just have money sitting in the savings account, sitting, you know, money's just sitting in their 401k. And um, it's, it's not doing much for them these days. So I would say that would be uh, that's a major advantage that you have just because and that's that's the that's the pond that you're swimming in right now. You're surrounded by those high income earners and that doesn't take very much. It's 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 relationship based and it just you bring the opportunity to them and depending on how much capital can be brought to the table, you can get you know ownership in the deal just by doing that. So that, that's the first thing that I would say. The second thing that I would say is it sounds like, uh, and brother, if you could find some people that coalesce, that mess, that are compatible with your schedule and their schedule, and you just find that sweet spot, 
that you can navigate the multifamily space in. Maybe it's maybe it's raising capital. Maybe it's something in addition to raising capital. But when you have your days off, I mean, um, of course, get your rest. That's extremely important. But in your day off, what can you do potentially that simultaneously you can still get rested up for the next workday, but also you can contribute in that specific role in the multifamily space that um, is extremely valuable in the context of a team where you have those other roles filled where you guys are knocking down deals left and right. And so that, that's what I would say as far as um, kind of more on the operator side. And of course, you know, if you want to invest as a limited partner, that's, that's easy, right? You just deploy your capital and watch that money grow and multiply. So that would be my two cents right there. Uh, Marcel or Victor, if you have anything, or Alex, if you have anything on top of that, but that would be my recommendations and, and encouragement to you, Richard. Well, I appreciate it. Like I said, and I have capital of my own that I'm trying to disperse or thinking about it is just not knowing the ways to disperse it. Um, we have about maybe two to 300K in our home that we kind of want to just move around instead of letting it sit there. So um, advice on that would be great also. Yeah, you, you just need to be tied into people that are doing great deals, man, that have a track record that are that, that can present the kind of returns you're looking for as an investor. So uh, definitely you're in the right room right here, man. You got Alex here. You got the Freedom Chasers team here. And um, of course, you know, we're, we're fairly connected as well. So it's just a matter of matching up a great deal with the capital that you're looking to deploy. And after that, it's pretty simple, honestly. That's, that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part is finding that deal you can deploy your capital in. No, I appreciate everyone in this room from the beginning I was in and then the days that I do get to talk to them. Let's go. Marcel, what you got, brother? Nah, hey, you know, one thing that we shouldn't do is do an information overload. I would have, de I definitely have other other points here, but we want to make sure that that Richard doesn't doesn't leave the Zoom and is like, oh, this was too much. <laughs> so you you put some great things out there, and I think that Richard can can leverage those into into making something good work there. Yeah, yeah, that's great, Richard. I think you have two options that you're looking at. One, how do I invest my existing capital? How do I become part of something, right? So on this one here is how can you possibly maybe join a team? So feel free to connect with me and, and we can talk uh, or connect with them. You can talk. But at the end of the day, I think because you're working, you almost need to be part of a team that is maybe working at this full time and you're part of a team and then you bring value as much as you can. That'd probably be the, the easiest one. Then number two, with the capital that you have available, you can connect with me, you can connect with them as well. Uh, we have deals all the time. I have one deal in Houston that I'm looking, people that want to invest. I have one in Dallas, people looking to invest. So we always have deals and that's where you can come in as an LP. And I encourage people, if they're full-time employees or they have a full-time job, submit, uh, you know, go into as an LP to begin with because that gets you into the multifamily space. So then later on, when you're trying to build your own deals and you're talking to banks, you're talking to people, say, hey, have you done this? Yeah, I'm an owner of 192 units in North Carolina. Right? Because once you become an LP, you are an owner. So that's a another way to get into the multifamily space while you're working. So feel free to connect with me afterwards on that. Is that helpful, Richard? Yes. Thank you so very much. And we'll, I will uh, contact you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Barbara, you have a question. Feel free to unmute yourself and, and ask us your amazing question.
Let's see. Marva, can you hear me? Hi. Yep. Sorry. I couldn't unmute. Um, hey, this is great, you guys. So I just want to kind of expand on, uh, I guess, Richard's question. Um, so I've been doing single family. Um, I've been looking at multifamily and um, kind of working, presenting to different groups. Um, and it seems like I'm finding the right deals, but not the right people um, to be on a team with or um, to present that to. So I feel like I've been underwriting deals every day, trying to figure out what is, what isn't, um, but don't know how to take it to the next step if I should be doing more connecting to um, raising capital to people that have capital or like you were just saying finding a team to work on yeah uh, that's a great question and you know what I actually what we what we do a lot of times we say you need people right you need to write you need help it's a team sport but at the same time kind of contradictory we always discourage people of just building a team, right? We, we, we touched on this like core values and all that stuff. And, and Alex was talking about the longevity of, of a partnership, right? So here, here, here's how, how we like to answer that question is, remember there's three sections of the, of the life cycle of a deal and how I like to say, you know, you can break it down however you want. And you're spending basically right now all your time in section one, which is fine. Um, but, and that might be also where your strength is at right now. So. You're exactly right. You should you should be looking for people that can help you there. That doesn't mean it needs to be a permanent relationship. You know, maybe you say, hey, this this is all I do. And this is all I want to get compensated for, essentially. Right. So you make your intentions clear and then you learn. Right. You learn. You you, you bring a deal. You've done. You provided some value. You underrolled it. You know, you, it, I wouldn't make it even about money in the beginning. You want like a small little cut, whatever that may be, you know, and you just want to be alone for the ride. So that that's an option. Now, how do you how do you find that those kind of people, right? And it's it's honestly, it's just being in rooms like this one, right? I mean, I would highly encourage you if you're not already are, um, join our our free Facebook community, the the multifamily freedom chasers community. Um, I know Alex, I think, has a community as well, a Facebook group. You should be in there. You see naturally who are the leaders. You know, we we like to actually promote and call out in our community the people that stand out right the people that take leadership that help others or that we have talked to and maybe we have already worked with you know i mean i can i can uh, name two guys right now here in chattanooga you know that that we have been submitting lois with and i told the guys i said listen guys you know i think you guys are ready to even turn around and take take deals from people and, and help them take them down you know don't don't undersell yourself um and and you just need to get around people and vet them almost interview them just have a feel for it right like get in the rooms talk and and your 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 how do you say this like your internal gut feeling trust your gut you know trust your gut if you have a if you have a strange feeling about somebody or something don't do it don't do it you know you're probably you're probably not far off you you want to be super secure on that um and what you're doing right now, again, to sum it up, is you're providing one piece of value to this whole big spiel of a multifamily transaction, 
right? And if you start there, that's fine. We tell people all the time, run on your own. That's fine. Run on your own. Once you find what, like I, it started with me and Trevor, right? As accountability partners. We didn't even, we weren't even partners in the beginning. And then we became partners, the two of us, like after like, what was it like Trevor? Like six weeks, eight weeks, a month, maybe two months, two and a half months. I don't even know. Something like that. It wasn't instant. You know, we just noticed there was noticed the need was there, you know? And then, and then we added Victor later on where we saw what he was providing, you know, and like, man, selfishly, I hope this guy is a, is a worker. I hope this guy has a spouse and kids. So he like understands our situation and, you know, luckily that was the case. <laughs> um, so that's how I would look at it, Barbara, right? Like, like, don't get discouraged. Um, I mean, heck, if you are in Columbus, Knoxville or Chattanooga, let us know. <laughs> we look at your kids too. Um, but there's more people like us out there. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm in New Jersey, not looking for deals in New Jersey. Um, but Tennessee is one of the markets I, I look at. Um, so, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Yeah, it's and you buy into the people, right? So it's it's all about the people. Yeah, yeah. A great answer. Thank you so much. You got it. Hey, thanks, Barbara. I know we're coming up to our time, and I don't want to take any more of these guys' times. They have been so grace graceful uh, to gracious to be with us today. How do they reach out to you guys? I went ahead and put on our, our your Facebook group here. Your Freedom Chasers group is there. My group is there. How do they reach out yeah. to you individually, guys? Look, it's important uh, that that we throw these Instagram handles in there, right? I mean, I noticed that's where stuff happens, man, on IG. So much stuff happens on IG. I mean, you can make so many connections. You can get your face out there. You got to be known. So um, I don't know if I have the capability, actually, to throw that in there. Um, I think only you do, Alex, but that's... that's oops, what did I just do? Did you did you kick him out accidentally, Alex? I did. <laughs> I, I can I can finish up, you know, as as I can finish up what Marcel said. We we basically complete each other's sentences. It's kind of weird like that. <laughs> he is my brother from another mother. Um, but yeah, I mean, but, oh, here we go, here we go. Sorry, Marcel. User error. User error. <laughs> that's the thing when i when i get kicked out you know trevor can immediately pick it up it's no problem man you don't need <laughs> that's right that's right i mean there's a reason why we have our instagram handles you know in our names here on the zoom uh, we'd love to connect people on the ig uh facebook is also a good place as well but we would point people to hitting us up on the ig first and be part of that facebook group right Everybody needs to be in that group because what we're trying to do is we provide an ecosystem for you guys to take action, for everybody to take action. Sundays, we have our MFC, right? Multifamily Freedom Chasers activation Zoom. We bring in high caliber people. I mean, we had Vina Jetty there last Sunday. We're going to have Rod Khalif there next Sunday. We have Mike Bailey the week after, you know, who's, who's got five, six, seven hundred. God knows how many units. We have, I'm not even going to tell the name yet. We have on the next, the next uh, month, we have the apartment owner of the year in the United States on. So th these are the rooms you got to be, get activated, right? And then on Monday, we have broker calls. You know, you can jump on a Zoom with some of our community leaders, call brokers together. You know, if you're scared to call the broker, they are there to help you, support you, guide you, jump on if needed. 
Tuesday, we do napkin underwriting. You know, where now I got the info from the broker. I can do a high level napkin underwriting with the team on a spreadsheet, all very nice, professional driven. And then on Wednesdays, we have the Miles family, you know, who are our go to debt brokers in the community who educate you on debt, who can do soft pulls for you and everything. So everything is there right now to take action. Like there, there's no reason right now you don't have the assistance to take action, right? And that's what we're trying to do for everybody. Absolutely. Well, thank you both. I appreciate your time. We appreciate everybody else's time. Thank you for joining us in the Multifamily Networking Mastermind. My other host today happened to be traveling. Uh, Ryan is uh, on his way to, I think, uh, uh, he's from Utah. I think he's on his way to Alaska. And then I had uh, Casey also is one of our, our team members. So everyone's dispersed in different locations. Thank you both. We'd like to stay connected with you and see how we can get some deals done as a group. Thank you, guys. Let's go. Alex, thank you, brother. Really enjoyed it today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Connor.